that you are here. We welcome all of our guests, and we thank you for coming to worship with us. God bless you. Leviticus chapter 23. In verse 15, and while you're turning there, um, you don't want to miss our service tonight. Prayer at 6. That's at 6, not at 6.03 or 6.12. It's at 6 o'clock. And service at 6.30. And it's going to be a very, very uh, powerful time in the Lord. Leviticus 23 and 15. You shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be complete. That's 49 days. Seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days. So it's 49 plus one. Everybody say 49 plus one. And ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days. And ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. That's 49 plus 1. And my subject this morning is plus 1. Plus 1. Father, we thank you for what we feel in this place today. We thank you for your great power and your anointing. Lord, I I know that people came in here for many different reasons today. We come from all different walks of life and different levels of faith. Some may feel that they don't have the faith to be saved today. But I pray, Lord, that there would be a holy convocation in this sanctuary, this moment, in this service today. Let every life be changed. Let the power of God move upon every individual. Let your hand be upon us in this sanctuary today, God. And I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would minister in the lives of every person in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you clap your hands and give the Lord praise one more time? Yeah, come on, praise him. He is worthy of praise. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, praise God, and you may be seated. Last Sunday morning, I preached about the Passover. It was the first feast of Israel, and it was where the children of Israel escaped death. The night that the death angel passed through the Egyptian streets, they escaped death. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over your household. The next morning was when they left Egypt, and that was the beginning of what would become, year after year, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they would celebrate their deliverance from slavery. The night of the Passover, they escaped death. The morning, the next morning, they were delivered from slavery. Now it's important to note that he had already given them freedom from slavery and freedom from bondage as they left Egypt. 
He gave them freedom from bondage and he delivered them from slavery the morning that they left Egypt. They, they did not have to go back to slavery. It was not going to be slavery that was going to destroy their relationship with God. They were free from slavery the moment they left because of the Passover where they avoided the death angel and the next morning when they left Egypt and they were entering into a new dimension of fellowship with God. But being free from slavery did not bring them into covenant with God. The covenant or the law would be given in another 50 days. And he told them, he said, from, from the morning that you leave or from the morning of the waving of the sheep of first fruits, the morning after the Passover, he said, you shall count seven Sabbaths plus one. As slaves, God understood that for over a hundred years, they had been told what to do in every part of their lives. They've been told when to get up, when to go to work, how long they were going to work. They were told how to work. They were beaten uh, by the taskmasters of Egypt if they did not carry out their daily duties and their daily tasks. Their rations, their food, their guidance was given by their master who was Pharaoh himself and the taskmasters working on behalf of him. And so God was about to give them a new way of guidance. He was going to give them the law, these guidelines, these structure, this structure to help them and guide them so that they could have a relationship with their new master who was the Lord God Jehovah, Lord God Almighty. And so this would become the Sinai experience where Moses was taken to the top of Mount Sinai and he was, he was given the law to hand down to the people of God. And by keeping the law and keeping covenant, it was their response to God's grace in setting them free. God had been gracious enough to set them free. Now he had heard the cry of his people in Egypt but he had set them free by his grace and given them favor. But being deslaved, if you will, did not make them righteous. Just, just leaving the old lifestyle was not what made them righteous. And by the way, the only way that they were able to do that was by the blood of the lamb and by partaking of the lamb for every house. And then partaking of the unleavened bread uh, in the future as they celebrated this, this feast. This, this would become known in the Old Testament when God brought Moses up to Sinai to give him the law. It would become known as the Feast of Weeks. And the reason they called it is because of the seven Sabbaths that represented perfect rest that God was desiring to give to, to the people of God. This feast is observed during the time of the wheat harvest. And the wheat harvest, we understand in Scripture, is superior to the barley harvest. The barley harvest was unleavened bread. 
The barley harvest represented the flesh, but the wheat was going to represent the spirit. Now notice that God did not give them the Passover and, and give them this time of fellowship with the unleavened bread as they would celebrate in the future. Notice that he did not give them those two feasts and be done with it and say, that's enough. All you need is the blood and some fellowship with God and you're saved and you're righteous and everything's okay. No, no. He took it a step further and he went on and he said, we're just getting started here. I'm going to give you the guidelines and the structure for you to live by. I'm going to identify sin and show you what it looks like in your life. I'm going to make a stark distinction between you and darkness and between you and sin and between good and evil. And so he gave them the law. On the top of Mount Sinai, it is also important to note that there, were, there was fire and there was smoke and there were thunderings and there were lightnings and there was a voice. Those elements are important because we're going to see the scripture revisit those in about 1,500 years from that moment. Fire and smoke and thunderings and lightnings and the voice of God. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 17, the Bible said, You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenths deal. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. And they are the first fruits unto the Lord. These two loaves uh, were, were one bread. They actually represented Christ. Both loaves represented Christ, but they were two loaves because God was going to robe himself in flesh and he was going to bring Jew and Gentile together. And unlike the, the, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, these loaves of bread would be leavened and it would represent the coming in of the Gentiles, the leavening, mixing, coming in, being covered with Christ and being put into Christ, Jew and Gentile in one bread and that is Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 17, the scripture said the cup of blessing, which was the third cup that we talked about last week, which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of one bread. And so this feast was illustrating that something supernatural was going to take place, that God was eventually going to reach beyond the Jewish community and the Jewish nation. And he was going to reach for those that the, that the Jewish people considered dogs of society. That's you and I. We're the Gentiles. If you don't have Jewish blood, if you're not of Jewish descent, you are a Gentile. And it was only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you and I have the opportunity and the privilege to come into this sanctuary today and partake of the bread which is Christ Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ so we can not only come out of our slavery, but that we can come into the righteousness of God, the transition that only God himself can do. Now, just like the wheat harvest is superior to the barley harvest, Pentecost is superior to the Sabbath. This Feast of Weeks would eventually become known as the Feast of Pentecost, and it was superior to the Sabbath and to 
and to the feast of unleavened bread and so forth, to the Passover. In Leviticus 23 and 18, the scripture said, Ye shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock and two rams, and they shall be a burnt offering unto the Lord with their meat offerings and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. With the Passover, it was one lamb in, in, in there. But in the Feast of Pentecost, he said, you are to offer seven lambs. The Lord is perfecting the process. And he said, I want you to offer two young bullocks. That is the word bull there. It is found in a powerful figurative expression in Hosea 14 and 2, standing for the fruit of the offspring of our lips. It doesn't sound like that's what it represents, but that's the way the scripture said it. Because tongues and stammering lips are always associated with Pentecost. In Hosea 14 and 2, the scripture said, Take with you words, everybody say words, and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. For so will we render the calves of our lips. That's the same word, bullock. These, these bullocks that were offered there were symbolic of the praises of the lips of God's people that would be given to him, amen, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to tell you something here today. You may have used your words for a lot of things in your life. You may have used it to curse people. You may have used it to criticize people. You may have used it to talk down yourself or to push back against God or to glorify the things of the world. But he said, if you'll turn your words to me, I will see them as a sacrifice of the bullocks that were offered for the feast of Pentecost, and I will consider it a sacrifice of praise. I wonder, is there anybody here this, this, uh, this day that can, that can turn your language and turn your words from the enemy and from the things of this world toward God? I want to know, is there anybody here that can change from negative communication to a communication with God of faith and profess with your mouth the faith that God has put in your spirit with a mouth confession is made unto salvation? Come on, somebody praise him right now. There is, a, there is a new language that is coming to somebody in this place today. A language you've never spoken in before. A language that many religious, religious people say that that's of the devil. Tongues are of the devil. That accusation's of the devil. No devil has ever had the privilege of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. It's a heavenly language. It is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to people in this place today that don't think that you can live this life. You don't think that God would do something like this with you. You think that that moment has already passed for you. I'm preaching to people right now that say, I'm not able to do that. You cannot do that of your own accord, but with the power of the Spirit of God. 
when you begin to hear that well on the inside begin to spring up into everlasting life and you hear your tongue begin to speak in that heavenly language there is a power that comes to you from on high the power of heaven to shake everything in your life to not only remove you from slavery to give you a power but to give you a power to overcome sin in the future come on clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise Now these these seven Sabbaths that they were going to that they were going to count until the fiftieth day, they were not going to be a waste of time. It was not like they were just kind of uh, twiddling their thumbs and and waiting on some moment to come. These seven Sabbaths were called the counting of the Omer. During these forty nine days of this count, which they call the counting of the Omer, the wheat crop was in the ripening process. And by the end of the Omer count, the crop was ready for harvest and the first fruits of the wheat crop could be brought to the temple for Pentecost on the 50th day. That's 49 plus 1. You can't just do the 49. You've got to have the plus 1. You can't just wait for the ripening of the harvest. You've got to get to the plus 1 so that the harvest can be reaped. If you don't understand that, you're part of the harvest. And God wants to pull you out and pluck you out of the field from where you, where you live and bring you into his barn. Are you listening to me here this morning? The harvest is in the field, but God doesn't want you to stay in the field. He wants you to be in the house of God. Amen. There's all kind of danger in the field. You're just another part of what's growing in the field as long as you're in the field. But when the hand of God reaches down, reaches down and plucks you out of the field, uh, he's going to give you a new life and a new hope and a new power. And he's going to reward your faith with eternal life. I'm preaching to somebody here this morning uh, that you don't have to walk out of here and go back to the same mess that you've been in. You don't have to live the same way. This is not religion. This is a supernatural experience that the Lord is going to give you here today. With the unleavened bread that we talked about Thursday night, the sheep was tied with a red cord and was brought to the priest as a wave offering. The sheep was Christ. That, that first fruits of the barley harvest represented Christ. Now we come to the first fruits. The first fruits, he, he's the first fruits from the dead, but it was just, he was just the sheep. But at Pentecost, it was two loaves, fully baked bread. That's the church, Jew and Gentile together, the body of Christ. Amen. We're no longer just a stalk that was that was just plucked out of the field. The Lord is making something out of us. The Lord is developing us into something. The Lord is creating something. I'm going to preach to somebody right now and tell you that if you could see yourself just six months from now, after the Lord gets a hold of you, you would not recognize yourself if you would just give God half the opportunity to bring you out of the junk and the mess and the stuff that the devil has put you in. He doesn't want you to just leave the old lifestyle. He is going to put something in you that is going to take you all the way to the other side of Jordan. I'm preaching to somebody in here that doesn't think that you have the ability to make it to heaven, but God has the power to get you there. 
Oh, come on. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. He was the bread. Now we become the bread. James chapter 1 and 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should become a kind of first fruits of, of his creatures. The Jews' daily bread had leaven in it. That's us. We still have to deal with the leaven of this world. We still have to have a continual search for the crumbs of leaven in our life. You don't just get a free pass on the day you get the Holy Ghost and say it's already done, once saved, always saved. No, you're going to have to stay away from the things of the world. I do get that. But with God's spirit and God's anointing, he can bring you through. Praise God. All of these feasts have their historical significance. The Feast of Pentecost is a remembrance of the slaying of the Passover lamb. The first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a remembrance of the exodus from Egypt. The Feast of Weeks that we're talking about here today is a remembrance of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. The seventh day after Passover, according to tradition, reminds the Jews of the crossing of the Red Sea. The counting of the Omer is regarded as a remembrance of the, inter, of the intervening days between the exodus from Egypt and the revelation of Sinai or the ripening of the process, ripening of the harvest from ripening to revelation. Seven Sabbaths or 49 days plus one. Christ was crucified. Amen. Christ became our Sabbath. Christ was crucified. Then God gave them a sacred Sabbath. There was a weekly Sabbath. There was the cross. There was the death, the burial. But there's a plus one in there. Because he said, go tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And don't wait one day and then give up. Don't wait three days and give up. Don't wait seven days and give up. He knew that they were 40 days after the Passover. He knew that it was going to be another 10 days before the Holy Ghost was poured out. But when that 49 days was completed after the Passover, on that next day after that seventh Sabbath, it was the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. It's better than drugs. It's better than nicotine. It's better than fornication. It's better than pathological lying. It's better than losing your mind. It's better than depression. It's better than broken marriages. Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost is here to save you this morning. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God is trying to pull at your heart and tell you don't go back out there the same way that you walked in here. Don't leave this building today the same way that you walked in. God wants to do a miracle in your life. God is about to pluck somebody out of slavery and he's about to put his spirit in you. It's the plus one. It's the plus one. It's the Sunday, if you will. It was on a Sunday. It was on a Sunday. Because the Sabbath was on Saturday. 
as though that plus one was a Sunday. Today is your plus one. John the Revelator said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It was his plus one. Everybody else rode him off. He's looking around and seeing only exile on the Isle of Patmos. But God's saying, John, I got you there for a reason. I know all you can see is exile and the hell that's around you. But I'm about to give you a revelation that is going to change the world. Don't negate what God does in your plus one. Right now, you may feel like you're on an island somewhere, like you've been exiled from the family like you've been disconnected from everything that is righteous and all hell is around you but you're in the middle of your plus one moment here today and revelation is about to come God is about to take you from exile to revelation come on somebody praise him I'm not done preaching You can be seated. The Midrash is a a book of oral traditions that the Jewish people use. It is a collection of Jewish oral traditions. And it records things that happened in history that we don't find. They are the backstory. these oral traditions. Now, I'm not saying that this is Bible. I'm just saying that this is what the Jewish... People tell their children. It is handed down by oral tradition. I'm not saying it's the inspired word of God. I'm just telling you what they believe. The people in the camp, they believe it's recorded in the Midrash. That day on Mount Sinai, the people in the camp saw sound waves in the form of fiery substances. It's recorded in the Midrash. That's what they've handed down from generation to generation. That it so shook them. Each commandment as it left God's mouth circled the whole camp eventually. And it rested upon each Jewish person personally. And it also noted that the people heard God's voice in many different languages. I'm not saying this is Bible. I'm saying this is what the Jewish people tell their children from generation to generation. Now how you can miss that, I don't know. If that's what they believe about what really happened on Mount Sinai. And I believe that's what happened. That they, that they literally saw the sound waves as God was issuing every command. And it circled the camp until it sat down upon every Jewish personally. Now, whether it happened like that, I don't know. But I know it happened that way in the second chapter of Acts. (laughs) Sit down. When the Spirit of the Lord gets to moving, you're going to hear a sound. You're going to see shockwaves in the building. You're going to feel something you've never felt before. This is not coming to a little religious ceremony. This is having an encounter with a God that said, let there be light, and there was. This is the God that will shake the heavens and the earth one more time. 
This is the God that made everything. Everything that we see and everything that we have not seen. God made it all. The Bible said in Exodus chapter 19 verse 16. It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. Listen. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. That is in the Bible. But the way they describe it is, we saw shockwaves. And we saw them circle the camp like fiery, fiery substances. And they sat upon each person there in the camp. I am prophesying here this morning uh, that fiery tongues are about to sit on somebody in this place. Yeah. Yeah, it seems strange. It seems strange. But it was their plus one moment. Seven Sabbaths, seven lambs. But don't forget, take with you words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Somebody has got to offer a sacrifice of praise here this morning. Your harvest has been ripening. God has been preparing you. God has been developing you. Why hasn't it happened before now? Because your plus one moment hasn't arrived yet until today. Why? Why did I have to wait this long? Because God has been nurturing the harvest. God has been planting things in your life and he's been ripening your heart, getting ready to plant something in you that has never been planted before. I appreciate all you church folk here today, but I'm preaching to people in the pew here today. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that you don't walk out of this place without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't care. I don't know. Sit down. I don't know who lied to you and told you that the Holy Ghost is not for you, but it was a lie. The Holy Ghost is for you. It's not only for you, but it's for your children and their children too. Sit down. I'm preaching to people in the pew right now that need to understand that we are not here to just go through some tradition and through some ceremony. We're here to have an encounter with an almighty God and God is going to set you free. I'm preaching to people right now. It's time for you to come out of your sin. Oh, praise him right now. Praise him. I'm not preaching to church people here. I'm sick of the devil that is lying to people. God was so specific in the Bible to make sure that everything was done according to his perfect plan. Don't offer a bullock if it's supposed to be a lamb. Don't offer one lamb if it's supposed to be seven lambs. Don't offer a turtle dove or a young pigeon. If it's supposed to be a bullock, do it on this day. Do it on this time. Make sure you see the sun going down before you start the Sabbath. For thousands of years, God outlined a plan. You're telling me that salvation is accidental. That salvation is not accidental. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. 
I don't care what preacher lied to you and told you that tongues were of the devil and the Holy Ghost is not essential and just go to church and do the best you can. They lied to you. I'm trying to preach somebody out of hell today and tell you today is your plus one. Don't you miss your Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah, I do need some prayer warriors. I'm going to tell you, if I was an alcoholic here today, I would want a preacher preaching to me like this. If I was an atheist here today, I would want a preacher to preach to me like this. If I thought I was saved, but I was on my way to hell, I'd want a preacher to preach to me like this. God sent me to this pulpit to tell you today, that you've been counting, that you've been waiting, that time has been passing, but today is your plus one. You better take advantage of it while you have the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Wilson. Anthony Wilson that attends our, he's, he's a minister at our Hope Campus. He was in the barbershop about two weeks ago. And he was in there witnessing to a man. My God, somebody better hear me today. He was witnessing to a man about God. And a man kept saying, I don't want to hear none of that. Stop talking to me about that. Am I telling the truth? He just kept talking. But you don't understand, sir. Let, let, me, let me show you some scripture. Let me tell you some scripture. He said, I told you, I don't want to hear that. I don't believe in God. I don't want to know about God. I don't want to hear what you got to say. And that man walked out of that barbershop. And within hours, he dropped dead. What we do in here is not, we don't get points for this. This isn't showmanship. This isn't a preacher up here trying to earn a dollar like some people think. This ain't about money for me. This is about souls. And I'm preaching to people that have sat in this building many times. But you will not move. And God is trying to tell me to tell you, today is your plus one. Pentecost is here. The harvest is ripe. The Lord said, I'll do it today. If they'll turn to me, I'll turn to them. If they'll cry out to me, I will reach down and fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I'm begging somebody in this place to obey God. I'm begging you right now to cry out to God. I'm begging you to close your eyes. And open your mouth right now and cry out to God. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Lord, only you can get a hold of them. 
Only you, God, can reach them. Only you, God, can break the chains. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I'm begging you, Lord, to pluck somebody out of Egypt here today and give them a Pentecost. I'm begging you, Lord God, to give them a vision of the Passover, how you died on the cross for our sins and iniquities, to give us the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we've got to have you in this place. Come on, church, I need you. I need you right now. My God, my God, my God, my God. Come on, I'm asking everybody that will to pray. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray. Careful, you'll offend our guests. I'm not trying to offend our guests. I'm trying to save them. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I want you to reach over and put a hand on somebody's shoulder nearby you there. In the name of Jesus, and I want you to pray for them. I want you to make contact with somebody and I want you to pray for them. I don't want anybody praying alone. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would move in the sanctuary. I pray, oh God, that you would baptize us in this place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh God, oh God, listen. Listen, I'm still preaching. I'm still preaching because I'm not going to walk out of this pulpit today. And the Lord said, and the Lord said to me, you didn't do everything you could. I gave you a word and you walked out of there without leaving it all on the field. The devil has made people think God have mercy. The devil has made people think church has to be all dignified. The next time you want to be dignified in church, take a look at the cross. Because Jesus was tortured for us. Tortured. Tortured. And we come in and we say, Oh, Jesus, oh, I hope I can shake the preacher's hand today so that he can grant me salvation. Hopefully I can step into a confessional booth and confess to somebody on the other side of the wall there that doesn't have the power to 
remit my sins and did not die on the cross for me. Well, Lord Jesus, I profess you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to continue to curse and to sleep around and to smoke and to drink and to live wild and, and to live vulgar and to avoid church and stay out of the house of God. But when I come to the house of God, I'm going to be so dignified. There is a conviction in this house. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost right now. There is somebody that's going to walk out of this building today and discount this preacher. And it'll be the last time God ever reaches for you. How much stinking pride do you have to have? For you not to take a few minutes today and ask God to forgive you of your sins. How proud are you? That you can't take a few minutes and say, God, I'm wretched. I'm wretched, God. And I need you. How arrogant are you? That you can't take a few minutes and open your mouth and say, God, if you don't save me, I'm going to burn in a devil's hell. Would you please pray right now? I'm going to give you one more chance. In the name of Jesus, oh God. I'm opening these altars right now. If you if you wanna if you wanna come to an altar and you wanna cry out to God, come on, don't 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 shut it down. If you wanna come to an altar and cry out to God, I'm inviting you to come. I'm admonishing you to come. I'm asking you to come. I'm begging you to come. You're not gonna do anything to me if you don't come. But you won't never say again, I wasn't warned. You won't ever say again, God didn't reach for me. In the name of Jesus, oh God. Come on, I'm begging you to come. I'm begging everybody to come. It's not on me if you don't come. Kia la 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 la